please pray with me? Father God, let your words come through, Lord, like with fire, Lord. Let it hit soil that is good soil, Lord, so that we may be matured and groomed to be more like you, to look like light and salt to the world who desperately needs you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Paul's encounter on the way to Damascus is a story I think all of us can relate to. Though our sins may not be as heinous as Paul's, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. All sin, not some death, all sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal through Jesus Christ. So standing face to face with Paul's journey on the road to Damascus should give each and every one of us hope. I don't know about you, but it gave me a lot of hope. But I want to put this caveat because so many times when we hear the word of God, when we know that the story, like this story in uh, this the book of Acts, when it applies to us, when we know it with a certainty as we're hearing it, there's this resistance in us because we think, not I. It's not for me. There's something in me that wants to resist the truth of God's word. But I'm here to tell you that the word of God is true and it is for you and for me and for the entire world. And so if you set your minds that it doesn't matter when you walk out of this building or when you walk out of Sunday school or when you walk out of a grocery store where someone has prophesied, if you set in your heart that the word of God is true, and even though it doesn't look like it, feel like it, it's not happening in my life right now, I'm going to walk in it until victory is mine. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I wanted to put that out there so we can come into agreement of the truth about God's word. And so now we can go into the text. And Saul, in verse 9 and 1 still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked for permission for letters from the, to the synagogues at Damascus so that he may persecute people, imprison people who are following the way. And the way is just a, a historical name for what the followers, the Christians, the believers of Jesus were called. And now he was going along and during this way, along this way, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. There's so much we can glean from this text, but the first principle I want to talk to you about is there is no one, no one out of the reach of God. No one. His hand is not too short to reach even the most evil person in the world. Saul has permission to go on this rampage and cause terror in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, to believers who are hiding, who are hiding from him, although they know the word of God. They know the truth. They know who they are in Christ. They are afraid of Saul in this terror. And Saul, though he is a learned man, he's a murderer. He is an enemy of Christ. And so Saul has become spiritually hardened and blind to God. He thinks he's on a mission for God, but he's doing the very opposite, persecuting God by killing and uh, imprisoning the people of God. But not even Saul was out of the reach of God. And so when the murder happened uh, at Emmanuel in Chalcedon, I know most of you, like me, we wept for those believers who were sitting in a Bible study, studying the word of God, inviting the stranger in. We wept for the cruelty of how they 
he came in with wrong intentions. And even though he was under the word of God, his heart was so hardened that he murdered all of these people. And our hearts wept, wept with them. I know for me, my friend, a pain doctor was one of the slaughtered and I cried. I cried because her daughters, three of them, one was in college, one was on the way to college and one was entering middle school. She would never see them graduate school. She would never see her daughters married. She would never see them start careers. She would never see it. And so our hearts broke for these people. But then the next day or a few days later, I can't remember when, but when Dylan Roof came and was arraigned, my heart broke again and I wept before the Lord. And I cried out, Lord, who is praying for this young man? And Lord, as he's in prison, would you put someone in his path, Lord? Would you put a guard or would you put another prisoner in his path who would exemplify who you are? Even behind bars, your arms are not too short to reach even Dylan. Would you do that, Lord? And it was my heart's cry. And it's easy for us to cry for the saints, but it's difficult to cry for someone who's murdering your friends or who may hurt your children. It comes to my mind with the drunk drivers and how mothers of drunk drivers, I was on board, but I had to come confronted with the question, if the drunk driver was one that killed my child... And then he was reformed and started a movement. Would I be able to follow him? And I tell you, I had to question that over and over again until the Lord penetrated my heart to say, yes, I would. Because his arms are not too short for the most heinous of crimes. God wants to be Lord. He wants to be Lord of the adulterers. He wants to be Lord of the cheaters, the abusers. He wants to be Lord of the saints. He wants to be Lord of the liars, each and every one. You and me and the entire world. And I find, I found this ironic that God used what Saul was doing to bring him closer. He persecuted the Christians and that moved him away from God. But God used that to bring him closer to him. He used the very thing that Saul was out on pursuit to do, in pursuit to do, to draw him back to his purpose, to Jesus. I'm encouraged this morning by Saul because I was a Saul and you were probably a Saul too. So... If you have resolved in your mind that Christ's body was broken so that he can have encounters with you, not just the encounter to bring you to salvation, but the encounter to meet and greet you every single day. Oh, what a God we serve. If you can reckon and rationalize in your heart that this Jesus who went to the cross to be beaten was beaten because he saw that even in your unworthy state, you were his. And he wanted you to call him Lord. He wanted it and he wants it so desperately. And so we see that our our Jesus, our Lord, his hands are not too short. But who have you counted out? Who in your life, think for a second, who have you counted out because they're too wayward? They seem too far out of reach. They're not like you. Who have you counted out that God's hand is too hard to reach? I pray. I pray. 
as you ask God to forgive you for each and every transgression you commit against him, that you come to the realization that even those people are in need and deserve his forgiveness through you. Can we be a beacon of light for a lost people? The second thing in this encounter with Jesus is that there is a call to obedience. We have to obey. When Jesus is coming to us and encountering us, he wants us to obey. And we see in verse 6, Jesus tells Saul, get up and enter the city and you will be told what to do. The author takes no time to explain the terror Saul must have felt. Can you imagine? He was persecuting the people of the way. And now the way was standing right before him, giving him instructions. Oh, Lord, I can imagine him saying, Jesus, what are you going to do to me? And he was blinded. But in that moment, God touched him, touched him so much that as he was blind, he walked away being led. Saul, who has not been led by people, but who had people commanded people to do things, Saul, with all of his privileges and all of his accolades, was becoming helpless before a Lord, humbled before Jesus, because that's what happens when you're in the presence of the Lord. You get humbled because you know you're not worthy except by the blood except by the blood as he humbled himself and he he humbles himself and he's led away by these men and the bible says that Saul prays in this blindness for 3 days i can imagine Saul reflecting back on Stephen Kendall preached about Stephen and how he was stoned and Saul was there i can imagine in his mind and in his heart breaking because he was a part of all of that I can imagine that he's remembering that Stephen, even in this, this Stephen who loves Jesus the Christ, prays for them, each and every one of them, Lord, forgive them. I can imagine all those thoughts going, to his, going through his mind as the Lord is working and dealing with him. And that's what God wants to do with each and every one of us. Another act of obedience that we see in this text is Ananias. Who's ever been afraid to do something that the Lord's called you to do, even though you're going to do it? But boy, you go kicking and screaming. You go, oh Lord, I might have to limp my way through this, but I'm going to go. Oh Lord, I might duck through a few places, but I'm going to go. Oh Lord, can you call somebody else? I mean, Kendall probably can do this better than me. Can you call somebody else who's done it? Because it can't just be me. Sweetie, have you ever said, Lord, that's too big for me? I don't want to do what those bullies in school are way too much. I've done it. And the Lord is saying it's not. So we see Ananias called to obedience despite his fear. Lord, do you remember that this is the Saul who persecuted us? You want me to go where and do what? Lord, Lord. Oh no, Lord doesn't change his mind. I said what I said. Go. And Ananias, in obedience to the Lord, he gets up and he goes. Because when there is a true encounter with Jesus, when you have humbled yourself in his presence, you can't help but to do what he wants you to do, even though you don't want to do it. I have a fear of standing before people. That's why I speak so fast when I'm up here. It's like, oh Lord, let's get this over with. I have a fear of standing before people, but that does not stop God. He's going to make you do it anyway. Kicking and screaming and all. And so I'm here standing before you facing my fears. 
like Ananias and he goes and he lays his hands on Saul and Saul, the scales are falling from his eyes and he can see. Let our response to Jesus, to our encounter with Jesus be like that of Ananias. Here I am, Lord. I'm buckling in my knees, but I'm going to go. Have you ever been scared like that? Anybody? Listen, if you're, if you haven't, you're missing the opportunities because you're ignoring them. God's saying go and you're saying, mm-mm. So, is God calling you to obedience to something that you're struggling with right now? Is it forgiveness of a family member, a friend, someone who's hurt you or wounded you? Is it to speak up for injustices or is it to start a small group even though you hate speaking in front of people? Whatever it is, God, if he calls you to it, he will equip you to do it. And so the third thing we encounter when we experience Jesus on an encounter and we're obedient to him is our purposes are fulfilled. Listen to this. Verse 15 says, but the Lord said to him, go, said to Ananias, go for he, meaning Saul, is an instrument who I've chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. My, I myself will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Here's Saul's purpose. His encounter on the road to Damascus, it's defined now so that he can go and be this instrument to the Gentiles so that he can go and write half the New Testament so he can go and be a living witness to you and I today so that he can go. The Lord wouldn't send an Ananias to Saul's past and when he greets you, he's not interested in your past. He sent Ananias to Saul's future and when he greets you, he's, he's interested in propelling you into your future. Your purpose. And so all of the experiences, even with the persecution, God used it for his good. Are you trusting the potter whose clay in his hands, clay, marred clay, you and I, are well served in his hands to be molded, to be used by him however he chooses. However he chooses, wherever he chooses. I'm on Sullivan's Island and I'm not on Saint, at St. John's. Wherever he chooses. Are you willing to trust the God who knows the plans he has for you to give you an expected and to prosper you? Are you able to look up against your circumstances and see that, oh, I see my world crumbling right before me, but Lord, your word says this. And so I'm going to believe your word because if I stay looking at this, I'm going to die. Can you do that so that you too could be on your way to destiny? How are you doing on your road to your purpose, to your destiny? What are your stumbling blocks? I ask right now that you repent before the Lord Jesus because there's nothing impossible for him. Nothing too hard for him. I can hear Sarah and and Abraham saying, Lord, we're too old. Nothing impossible for me. I could hear Naaman saying, oh, in my pride, I don't want to go to that river. Do as I say, because it's what I said and it's best for you. I could hear Noah saying, Lord, but they'll laugh at me. Build the ark for your purpose. I could hear, and I hope you can hear too, Moses, with all of his impediments, go, for I want to use you. Who knows? That the next great thing that you might be called for, called to, for such a time as this. So there are three things we learn from Paul's conversion. 
to be converted, there has to be an encounter with Jesus. He must confront us with himself, with our sin and our rebellion against him. Saul wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for him. Don't give up on the people that you think is way gone. They might not be looking for Jesus, but Jesus is looking for them. And when we trust him, when we're obedient to the calling in our lives, we have the faith to understand that even though we don't know how he's going to do it, we humbly trust the work that he started in us. His word says he'll give us, he'll do this work until it's completed. And we have to trust that. Ananias was skeptical, but he went ahead and he plunged into obedience. And third, conversion does not happen without Jesus. Repentance and obedience in the fulfillment of our purpose doesn't happen without the work of the Holy Spirit. It isn't enough to just be broken by him. We must be filled with him. So finally, the message of Saul on the road to Damascus is about Jesus. It's about Jesus' love for you and for me and for the entire church and for the entire world. For if he is the head of this body, the body of believers, then when we persecute one another, we're persecuting him. That's why the word says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why did you persecute Stephen? Or why are you imprisoning my... He said, why are you, pers- why are you persecuting me? We are members of the body of Christ in which he is the head. We may not be murderers, but any assault, whether it be gossip, whether it be backbiting, whatever it is against another believer is a persecution against Jesus, the Christ. When we narrow our purview of him and limit him to a box that he is to stay in this pretty place in heaven and not intersect with us on earth, we persecute what he did on the cross. We nullify the work that he came to do so that you and I may be free. Free to walk through trials and tribulations. Oh, it's painful. But he promises to be there with you. Free. To walk toward purpose even though it's breaking your back. Free to stand when you don't want to stand. Do you remember your conversion encounter? Were you obedient? Or were you like me, chipping and jiving? Okay, Lord, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some. Okay, Lord, I'm going to stay over here a little while. Do you remember your own conversion? You weren't saved just to be saved, but you were saved to serve the body of Christ. And Christ has endowed you with gifts that the body needs, the entire body. And so I look at this road to Damascus as a love letter from Jesus. He looked out into the world before we were even born and he said, I take all kinds. I take you, I take you, I'll take you, I'll take you, I'll take you too. All kinds. And he looked at me and he said, yes, Henrietta, even you. So we have to have an encounter. We see that in the text. There has to be obedience because when you encounter Jesus, you have a choice. You follow him or you don't. You're led by his spirit or you're not. And when we follow him, the purpose, though sometimes it changes, what you were destined to do at 20 may be totally different at 50. 
He promised you to lead and guide you to purpose. So let us pray to this Lord who is so faithful, so gracious to love you and to love me. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this disruption of Saul's journey, that you would go to great length to guide him toward his purpose, that you love him so much that you saved him from himself, Lord, and you did the same for us. You loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us. Your father loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son to be broken and abused on a cross for a people who didn't even love him. Lord, we thank you that your desire, that the desire you had for Saul is the same desire you have for us. That conversion happens, Lord, but that we meet and greet you every single day, hoping for an encounter with your Holy Spirit so that we may grow to look just like you, Jesus. There is no sin too bad, no evil too wicked that can prevent us from receiving your grace, your love, when we repent. So, Lord, those who have had a salvific encounter with you, Help them to observe your statutes and to be obedient to your voice as you begin the, to, as you complete the work that you've began in them. And for those who have yet to encounter you, Lord, I pray that you open their hearts to receive you, to surrender to you, and to obey. Lord, bend our wills to yours, dear Jesus. Help us to be salt and light in this very dark world by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of the, uh, in the name that is above every name. Jesus the Christ. Amen.